Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Lucy Hickmott. Hello, it's Monday the 2nd of October. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. Our top story, a woman who left a motorcyclist paralysed from the chest down has been forgiven by the man whose life she changed forever. Amanda Ballard hit him with her car while pulling out of a junction in Canterbury in December last year. Kate has more details for us. So how did the crash happen? Well, the biker, Jack Davies-Pikes, was riding his motorcycle along Sturry Road when Amanda pulled out of the Brymore Road junction. She was flashed by a van who was letting her go but didn't see the bike coming. He was flung into the air and into an oncoming vehicle, leaving him with a catastrophic spinal injury that means he'll never walk again. And what sentence has she been given in court? Well, a district judge heard evidence of the collision and decided not to hand out a prison sentence. The 55-year-old from Spelthurst admitted causing serious injury by careless driving and has been given an 18-month community order, which will see her complete 150 hours of unpaid work and attend 10 rehabilitation sessions. She's also been banned from driving for a year. And I understand the man she injured was in court to hear all this. Yes, that's right. Jack was 44 at the time of the crash and has been forced to move away from the area to a specifically adapted home in Medway. Despite the huge impact it's had on his life, he reportedly gave Amanda a hug at a previous hearing. The judge praised his ability to forgive her and the court also heard about her remorse and her desire to apologise to the victim and his family. He'll be compensated for his injuries through her insurance company. Thanks, Kate. Kent Online reports. Picket lines have been set up outside hospitals in Kent as junior doctors and consultants are back out on strike. The three-day walkout is their longest ever joint industrial action and will cause significant disruption to health services. Staff say they're fighting for better pay to safeguard the future of the NHS. An 18-year-old man has died after a car crashed into a tree in Broadstairs. Police and paramedics were called to Dumpton Park Drive in the early hours of yesterday and the passenger was declared dead at the scene. The driver's being treated in hospital and an investigation is underway. A study's found three-quarters of those who've crossed the channel in small boats this year would be recognised as refugees if their application had been processed. Latest figures show more than 500 people made the dangerous journey on Saturday, taking the total so far this year to around 25,000. Former Home Secretary Dame Priti Patel says the government needs to act. This side of a general election, if I may politely suggest... It is about delivery and the government will be judged on delivery. When you make pledges, statements and promises, you have to deliver. A Medway clinic has warned of the dangers of getting cosmetic surgery done abroad after some patients were left suffering in pain and with infected wounds. One woman in her 40s was discharged from a practice in Turkey only a day after multiple procedures, despite needing a blood transfusion after suffering a huge bleed. Kate Monteith-Ross is from the clinic by La Ross in Rochester. The kind of complications that we're seeing in the clinic tend to be things like um, severe infections, seromas from not having... I mean, these are things that sometimes can't be avoided, but often can be avoided. We're seeing patients having major surgery, multiple operations, and flying home on their own in as little as three to four days after surgery. We're seeing patients who've had significant surgeries coming home with no compression, 
no garments, no bandages, no wound care, no clinical notes, and some of them even not being able to contact the surgeon when they have a complaint. On average, from every single one of our patients who've had a surgical problem, we have not been able to gain access to their surgeon and they have contacted them on the WhatsApp, which it usually is, to be blocked. In the last two weeks, we've hit a milestone with, in one week, we had 12 patients come to us with complications. These complications included seromas, sepsis, necrosis, um, and so, you know, multiple patients had had horrendous experiences. We also had a patient who had a um, multiple surgeries and was faced with, multi with multiple issues when she returned. We've had patients who've had blood transfusions and no information as to why or how. We've also seen that when patients are flying over, there are minimal, if any, pre-assessment health checks being done. So how do, these, how do these professionals even know that that patient is fit and well for surgery? They're flying over, they're not asking questions, and unfortunately, we are seeing an epidemic of people who are, who are doing this because social media says that's the acceptable way of doing it. It's presented as if it's a glamorous hot vacation, going away with your friends, having multiple surgeries and coming back. But that is not what surgery is. Surgery is serious. If, if gone wrong, can be life-threatening. And for some people, can leave them in, in, with, with serious surgical scarring and complications that can last a lifetime. There's advice for anyone who's thinking of getting work done on the NHS website. Kent Online News. A report from Kent Online shows the county will need to build 1,000 homes a month in order to meet government targets. 300,000 new homes must be built in the UK this year, with many people in Kent concerned that existing infrastructure won't be able to cope with an influx of development. The last annual figures for new builds show just under 7,000 were built in 2021-22, to 22, falling short of expectation and putting extra strain on the housing market. Head over to the website today to see pictures of a secondary school in Sevenoaks that has been left to rot since shutting seven years ago. Formerly known as Hextable School, the Oasis Academy site saw a drop in student numbers and closed in 2016. Now classrooms have been stripped, bathrooms are dirty and some rooms have rubbish and wood dumped inside. Oasis bosses say they currently have no plans for the site. Elsewhere, villagers near Folkestone are calling for an abandoned pub to be restored to its former glory. The Lighthouse Inn in Cape Lafern has been empty since 2019, despite once being known for lively singing and spectacular views. The building on Oldover Road is visibly starting to crumble. Rachel Garrett lives nearby. It used to be a really lovely um, family-orientated place to go and visit. Um, nice gardens. Um, nice atmosphere, um, nice um, nice sort of people running um, the place. They had to, uh, used to have a, a Thai chef there, um, so it was great to go for a dinner um, and the kids were always welcome and things. Then the ownership changed a little bit and they sort of started um, ha having like opera evenings and things and had a grand piano in there and, and um, yeah, and then they lost their Thai chef and kind of things changed in there a bit and then all of a sudden they were gone they sort of like closed it up and and then it's just gone like to rack and ruin it just looks a right eyesore it's sort of deteriorating 
deteriorated quite badly um and um and it's just left all the villagers really thinking well what's it going to be you know what it what it could be is amazing place for for the locals and for people visiting the area and um yeah you could yeah there's lots lots of um ideas we have you know for it but sort of our probably main concern is that it'll be sort of demolished and um, turned into housing really. The parish council have sent a letter to the owners urging them to take action. We were unable to contact them for a comment. Kent Online reports. Now bosses in Ashford have dropped plans to bring a hawk into the town centre to scare away pigeons and seagulls. Business owners say they can't understand why the scheme's been abandoned as they say there's a growing number of nuisance birds in the area. The council say they don't think there's enough need to bring in the bird of prey. Some exciting news as Maidstone's first ever Lit Fest gets underway today. Top authors are heading to the town and there'll be events to get children into reading. Nicola's been chatting to festival director Jodie Eels. We've got some lovely free events for little ones and then our ticketed events also start with a tour of the archives. We've got workshops coming up and we've got amazing bestsellers such as Lisa Jewell, Dorothy Coombson and A.F. Stedman, who is a really popular children's author right now with her Scandar series, which I believe has been commissioned by Sony Films. But we've also um, have been inundated with local writers as well, which has been amazing because we've really found kind of the Maidstone tribe of, of creatives. So we've got a local writer showcase at Lock Meadow Entertainment Centre on the Sunday of the festival, that's Sunday the 8th of October. And there's about 16 authors there that are coming up, bringing their books, having a panel chat, doing some readings. And of course, we've got the wonderful Carol Haley, who we'll be speaking to shortly, who is my favourite. Well, look, it's, it all sounds absolutely fantastic. For anyone who didn't know too much about it and wants to get involved and come along to some of the events, what do they need to do? Where should they go to get all the info? You can just simply go straight to the website, which is maidstonelitfest.org or the Visit Maidstone website. The Visit Maidstone website is hosting all of the um, tickets. There's also free events as well. So do come along and have a look, find something. And you don't even have to have read the book. There's Sometimes I want to dispel some myths about Lit Fest. People saying, oh, that's not for me. I haven't been to that before. Or I haven't read that author. Look at the description. If it sounds interesting, go, because you're going to enjoy the book a lot more if you've sat there and listened to the author and gone, wow. I'm Carol Haley. I'm the author of The Silence Project, um, which is my debut novel, which was published in February this year. Um, I used to be a lawyer. Uh, for many years, I was a lawyer in London until the desire to write became so overwhelming that I gave up the law and um, did an MA in creative writing. And some 10 years later, I eventually managed to have my first book published. We will talk about your debut novel, The Silence Project, in just a bit. But what does it mean to you as a debut author coming to a lit fest and getting to, to chat to so many people about your work? It's an absolute privilege. I was I was thrilled to be asked. Um, I can't wait to be there. Uh, I really look forward to meeting everyone involved and talking about my book. Um, but yeah, there's so many authors uh, that publish books and just just to have the opportunity to speak about my book at a lit fest is is sort of beyond anything that I imagined when I was spending years sitting at my desk <laughs> writing something that I thought nobody would ever read let alone want me to talk about. Tell us a little bit about the silence project. It imagines what it might be like to be the daughter of a woman that starts a movement that changes the world but while many people believe that Emilia's mother, Emilia is the protagonist, is the saviour of humanity, 
Many others think she's a monster and a mass murderer. So at its sort of highest level, it's about how power corrupts and how a movement that started with the best of intentions can become a shadowy, sinister cult. You mentioned, obviously, this is your first published book. I know there were there were other books that, that haven't been published. Do you, do you go back to those at all? Friends and family that have read the previous books have asked that question. But for me, it feels a little like a retrograde step. They, they were sort of the path to publication rather than books. I, I think if they had been good enough, those sort of failed novels, the ones that live in a drawer, would have been published. I have enough I have enough inspiration for, for you know, another few books in me that I want to, to carry on going forward rather than go backwards, really. The festival runs until Sunday. Head to the What's On page for more details. Kent Online News. Six Weatherspoons in Kent have been added to a list of the country's best pubs. The County Hotel in Ashford, the Eight Bells in Dover and Royal Victoria Pavilion in Ramsgate all feature in the Campaign for Real Ale's Good Beer Guide for 2024. The Railway in Raynham Society Rooms in Maidstone and Margate's Mechanical Elephant are also on the list. A talented street singer from Thanet is heading to South Korea this week to take part in the Busking World Cup. Sam Brothers was born in Portsmouth but now lives in Margate. He's been chatting to our reporter Millie Bowles. I've been playing music since I was a kid. I've been playing guitar since I was about seven. And um, when did you first start busking? I was about 13 and I had a job washing cars and I realised that I could make just a tiny bit more cash if I got the bus and went to Winchester and did a little busking set like that. I only had four songs so I had to play them on repeat. <laughs> oh that's so cool so you started really young. Yeah 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 um, it, it was kind of quite an interesting experience you know you're sort of confronted with all sorts of interesting people and different kinds of people that you may not be uh, aware of at school and in that kind of sheltered environment. So yeah, I learned quite a lot about the world at Mm. quite a a young age really and about people's troubles and especially sort of homelessness. And I think the great thing about it is it's such a connector of different people. There could be anybody walking past and and I love that. Um, You've got super rich people you've got people that are just going to work or maybe they're on a lunch break or something like that you've got tons of really eccentric art people (laughs) you know it's it's really interesting for that yeah and then obviously um you've got the world championships coming up in South Korea. Yes, yeah, the Busking World <laughs> busking Cup. World Cup. I was telling it. you, I never knew that there was a Busking World Cup, mm. but it's very cool. <laughs> it's really interesting. They've been doing it for, it's only in the second year. Really? Wow. Actually, and um, they're really organised. Um, they're doing a, an excellent job with communication because there's a lot involved in getting everybody from all over the yeah. world over <laughs> to South Korea and to the city itself and um you know it's going to be a really fun uh activity i think yeah have you ever gone have you ever been to south korea before i've never been to south korea i've never been to asia actually really it's a whole new continent for me as well yeah amazing 
Um, and do you know, do you guys like play off there? Or like how does the judging sort of work? So the way it works is there's 64 acts from all over the world. There's three from Britain coming, for example. Mm. And the initial round is all 64 people over the course of two days doing a 25-minute set each. So it's going to be, mad. <laughs> a, it's going to be a really, really long couple of days, but really great. And then after that, it's cut down to 32 and so on. And, and um, the final is on Saturday, the 7th of October. Um, it's on a open air stage wow. um, in the centre of the town, a place called Democracy Square, yeah. um, which looks like quite a good venue and they get really quite a big turnout for these kind of things. Oh, um, cool. it, it's festival season in, in South Korea or festival week or whatever. Oh, I wow. mean, all <laughs> the events in South Korea are all happening at the same time. Yeah. There's so much stuff going on. So it's going to be a really vibrant and interesting place to be. Someone else who started out busking is also making the headlines today. One of the songs on Ed Sheeran's new album is thought to have been inspired by part of Kent. He's been recording music in a converted railway carriage in Dungeness and describes the lighthouse in his track England. And Strictly winner Rose Ailing Ellis has been recognised at the Stage Debut Awards. She won the prize for Best West End Debut for her role in Shakespeare's As You Like It. The 28-year-old from Hythe was also nominated for an Olivier Award earlier this year. Kent Online Sport. Football and Gillingham had to settle for a one-all draw against Mansfield Town at Priestfield over the weekend. The home side took the lead after just two minutes thanks to Macaulay Bonn, but the visitors equalised after taking a controversial quick free kick. Jill's boss Neil Harris spoke to reporters after the match. A really strong performance, good performance. I thought two really good teams. I thought clear to see, really good game. Um, I'm sure the fans have gone home very much entertained. Um, Mansfield are a very good attacking outfit. They, they had chances uh, to win it. We had chances to win it. Um, but the game's going to be remembered for a contentious refereeing decision that led to their equalising goal just before half-time, which probably changed the complexion of the game in some ways. Um, I've spoke to the referee. Uh, he's good enough to give me his time before coming up, hence why I'm slightly late getting in here. Um, and... But he obviously stands by his decision, but needs to see it back. Whereas I've been fortunate enough to see it back, and and just in a calm manner, just remind him it's not just about the letter of the law. He, he has to interpret. He has to interpret what what's going on around the football as well, and, and referee humility. And I think that's the moment that was missing. Um, um, so very contentious decision. Um, extremely positive performance. Really good performance. Got five tough games in fourteen days. Um, and we've set our standard now, um, not just with the home point, but with the level of performance. And um, we have to take that into crew on Tuesday night. McCauley Bond, off the mark, how pleased are you for him, as a former striker yourself, to finally got that goal that his performances are warranted? Yeah, you said therefore his performance have warranted it. He's, he's been excellent and, and he knows as well as I do, goal keep, uh, uh, strikers get judged on goal scoring. Um, you know, that, that, that's fact. But his all-round game has been exceptional. Um, and I, I thought today we saw another excellent performance. He led the line brilliantly. Um, took his goal fantastically well and, 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 
you know, a couple of good saves from the goalkeeper stopped him from adding to his tally. Um, you know, it's an important focal point of our team at the moment, and you know, to get to get off the mark is really pleasing for him. Um, he was disappointed last week at, at Doncaster um, and accepted criticism um, that he hadn't got on the score sheet from poor finishing. Um, but I politely reminded him over the next last few days, but at the start of the week as well, about how well he'd done to get in those positions, how well he's playing, that he's, his all-round game's been exceptional and we're creating him chances, which is the biggest thing. You know, as a striker, you, you want confidence from getting chances and his finishing and training have been very, very good, uh, very high standard. And so you just need to translate that into the game. And um, again, delighted for him to get off the mark, but another very, very good assist from um, Conor Mahoney. Are you satisfied to have got something else of the game or were you more disappointed not to have got all three points today? No, I think I, think I have to accept that a, a point was a fair result in the end and a really strong performance you know, was, was created the way we used the ball, the way we moved the ball at times and the way we penetrated their defence and then got into good areas. Um, you know, say a lot. We, we played well, but we haven't, we haven't, you know, done the last part. We haven't created chances. Well, today we've done it and created the chances. I say today at the other end, <laughs> we just had to be a little bit more secure at the back. We gave up too many chances, um, which hasn't been like us here at all. So uh, that's the learning curve for, for two centre halves that haven't played a lot of football in particular, um, and, and a, a goalkeeper that hasn't played a lot of football. That we have to that triangle has to dominate a little bit more. Um, but but ultimately, like, over the, for the start of a two-week period, it's a strong point against a very, very good side. And in cricket, Kent have secured their place in Division 1 of the County Championship. Their final game of the season against Lancashire ended in a draw on Friday night. They were helped by results elsewhere and finished eighth in the table. That's all from us today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. To sign up, just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.